amazing guest today, Amaya, who's going to teach us more about astrology. So let me bring her on. Hello. Hello, how are you? I am good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Nice. So, are you American? I am an American who lives in uh, Ireland. Oh, wow, because I was expecting an Irish accent. And then you came <laughs> on and I was like, huh? You know, but um, anyways, uh, how are you finding Ireland? Oh, I love it here. I've been here for a while. So, um, yeah, it's nice. It's a slower pace of life, which is what I enjoy. Yeah. What part of America are you from? Oh, man, I've lived all over the place. Uh, as a little girl, I grew up in Wyoming. And then as a teenager, I grew up in Arizona, which are like polar opposites. <laughs> wow. Nice. So what made you move to Ireland? Um, it wasn't something that was really planned. We were traveling, me and my partners were traveling through Europe and uh, we could stay here for a little longer than what's average in other parts of Europe. So we came here just expecting to like stay a little while and then ended up staying a lot longer. And now we're residents. So it's kind of how it worked out. Wow, that's amazing. Is, is it a huge weather difference? Because I know it rains a lot in Ireland. Yeah, I mean, compared to especially Arizona, but yeah. like if you go to like the Pacific Northwest or like my partners are from New Orleans, like one of the most magical things about New Orleans is that it literally will be uh, sunny outside and at like three o'clock in the afternoon on cue every single afternoon, it rains while it's still sunny outside. No way. So like we're not totally unused to it, but uh, it's different because it's colder here mm. and um you kind of got to get used to how moody it is, I think. Right. What about the food, though? Because uh, no, wonder... <laughs> that is completely different. That's a conversation we shouldn't have because uh, yeah. no, I have a mood I and cancer and it gets like personally offended at the bad food. <laughs> yeah. No, I know because I actually watch a YouTuber who um, does like vlogging on food and he went to Arizona and was showcasing like the local food and I'm like compared to Ireland oh my god you must you must be having a hard time well I mean I cook a lot yeah and I have a relative who's like a you know a Michelin star chef so I've got oh, wow. a few tricks in my pocket so I don't totally like suffer it yeah. would be nice sometimes to like get different food and not have to cook it myself but right. unless you're in a place like there's this great restaurant in a bar in Ardcarn Ireland that's like, it's a Michelin star restaurant in a bar. It's a pub. Nice. And unless you're somewhere like that, you're just not going to get like the best quality. It's not horrible. You can get some good fish and chips and you can get some good like cottage pie or shepherd's pie. But if you're expecting something exotic or spicy, there's no spicy. There's no spicy here at all. Wow. <laughs> I grew up in Arizona where like, you know, they're growing peppers in the backyard. Yeah. Wow. So do you go back home often though? No, especially not with COVID. It's been yeah. a while. Okay. How's your family adjusted to you being halfway across the world? I think they're used to it because I basically started moving around the minute that I could when I was an adult. And mm -hmm. um, we were kind of spread out anyways. I think that that's true of a lot of white people in America is that they don't tend to stay where their family mm -hmm. is. They tend to have to move for jobs or things like that. So tend to be across many different states, which, you know, the United States is huge. So 
when you think about the United States, you're like, oh, someone's in California, someone's in New York. That's like on opposite sides of Europe, basically. That's a huge trip to have to make. And that's kind of normal where I'm from. Mm -hmm. So tell us a bit about yourself. How would you describe your religious or spiritual beliefs? Is there a religion that you follow? I don't consider myself religious. Um, not that I'm uh, not open to it, but I don't personally practice a religion. I'm an animist. And what an animist is, is uh, to make it as simple as possible, I believe that we are in a world that is full of more than human peoples. And it's our job to be in responsible reciprocal relationship to those more than people humans, or not humans, but peoples, more than human peoples. Okay, so uh, your upbringing, were you raised in a religious household or not? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I grew up with two evangelical ministers as uh, my parents and um, grew up in a very, very religious household. It didn't really work for me. So um, I didn't continue it as I became an adult. I went through a lot of different phases before landing where I'm at. Have you studied various types of astrology and can you briefly explain the differences for those of us who are not as versed in the subject? Yes. So I started off as a modern astrologer. Um, there are different arms of modern astrology. Like you'll find there's like evolutionary, there's vibrational, there's it's a lot. Um, mine was more of a psychological uh, astrology. So a lot of like Liz Green. Um, but what I found was that uh, I'm a very Saturnian person. I'm a very responsible kind of disciplined person. And when I learned that there was a lot more to the astrological heritage, I started to learn traditional astrology. Uh, more specifically, like Hellenistic astrology. And that's a totally, totally different kind of astrology because it deals with you in the chart, but also the world that you occupy. So it's not just you. And I found that to be a lot more satisfying because while I think that modern astrology is good for like understanding yourself, um, what about living your life, right? There's more to life than just yourself. So kind of seeing like what's going on with like partnership or friends or jobs or even people who may not have like your best interests at heart. Uh, traditional astrology gives a much more holistic view of all that. So it's not just you centric. It is you moving through the world. And that's where I've kind of landed. I then went on to specialize in fixed star astrology, which is like even older than Hellenistic astrology. It's what like the Egyptians, the Babylonians the Celts, the Peruvians, the Aboriginals, they all were practicing this type of astrology, just different myths for the stars. And um, that's what I've really become known for, I think, at this point, is kind of combining a little bit more of an esoteric and ancient bend to like, how do we live a better life today and feel more connected to this world? So what sparked your personal interest in astrology? Was it like, as a teenager, were you reading, you know, the horoscopes? And is that how you started? Um, I would say that it started early in childhood before I knew what astrology was, because I love stargazing. And despite my parents being pretty religious, my mom loves like National Geographic and documentaries, and she's actually quite smart. And so she taught me how to do some stargazing. We had a telescope, you know, um, really loved myth and folklore um, a lot. And astrology kind of segs into that. And when I became a teenager, I would sneak, you know, my friends would bring magazines over and I would sneak reading my horoscope. And sometimes it hit and sometimes it didn't. And 
it got me kind of interested to go like, there has to be more to this than what I'm seeing in a magazine. Um, I became an atheist for a while and I would still like secretly like buy books about astrology, read about it, and then like put them in a thrift store so no one would know that I was like reading this kind of woo-woo stuff, right? And finally, uh, in my later 20s, I was like, you know what, I don't have to hide this anymore. And I'm allowed to not be an atheist. It's not one or the other. I don't have to be like a Christian, but I also don't have to be an atheist. And um, decided to like really devote myself to the studies of it. How much do you think that astrological science influence who we are? Influence who we are? I think they describe a lot of characteristics we can embody, but it's a lot more complex than that, um, especially when you look at it from the traditional lens. The signs are completely like, they're like the last thing on the list of what's important. The most important thing is the planets first and understanding how they function. What the signs do is they describe how well they are functioning. Like, do they have the tools to do their jobs? Do they live in a neighborhood that feels comfortable for them? Are they amongst friends or are they amongst enemies? Like, I'm a Scorpio rising, but my Mars is in Taurus. And in traditional astrology, the word for that literally translates to exile. And so my Mars doesn't really have the tools that would normally use to do Martian things. And a good example of someone who has that going on is Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali had Mars in Taurus. And he was one of the greatest fighters ever. And he literally took what was Venus tools and used them for Mars purposes. So like, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He looked like he was dancing while he fought. More importantly, he decided to dedicate himself to a cause. He's actually much, he considered his mission to be much more important in that he was uh, civilly disobedient and would not let them um, draft him for the Vietnam War. And he made a big to-do about it too. He didn't just like kind of slink off like a lot of celebrities and go to Canada or something to avoid the draft. He called a press conference to publicly make a statement about how he was not going to join the war. And he got a felony and he got his boxing license taken away during the peak fighting years of his life. But then he spent seven years uh, going to colleges and teaching people how to have civil disobedience for what was essentially illegal and unethical wars. And he would be interviewed later on when he got his boxing license back and they'd be like, do you regret losing your best fighting years? And he's like, no, because I fought for something so much more important and it never had to do with throwing a punch. So like, that's what happens when we have a planet that's not super, super well equipped with its own tools. It gets creative and does something different. And that's what I look for in your chart. It's like, okay, you're a Scorpio rising. Yes, I can come across as maybe a little resting bitch face or, um, you know, mysterious. I hear that a lot. But when you come down to like my personality, it's much more about principles and it's very grounded and earthy and definitely not like watery and evasive. It can be very direct. Right. And so it has nothing really to do with the sign so much as like, how well is that planet equipped to express itself in my life? Right. And how do I do it differently if it's not, which is kind of cool. Cause then it shows why we're all different, why we don't always like if you're a Virgo rising, but your Mercury isn't where it's supposed to like normally be, um, you might express yourself very differently. You're still mercurial, but it's like chaos Mercury, or maybe it's grounded Mercury, or maybe it's quiet Mercury. And it starts to make a lot more sense why when you read your horoscope, it doesn't always hit because it's not necessarily about the sign. It's about the planet. Do you think it's a bit extreme for like some women 
I know when I was growing up, like they avoid certain star signs. They won't date them because they're not compatible because that's what the book said. Don't date this person. Stay away from this person. You're not going to get along with that person. Is that accurate way to think or is it a bit extreme? I think it's a bit extreme. Um, Compatibility is more nuanced than that. Um, Especially like if you've had a bad experience once, I think a lot of people tend to shy away anyways, even if they don't know anything about astrology, right? I think that what astrology can do is tell us where maybe we don't always see eye to eye, where we struggle, that kind of thing. Um, But rather than use it as an excuse for like, I'm never going to date this person or I'm not going to be friends with this sign, um, which is funny because usually the universe throws that sign into your life over and over again, right? Um, It's a a better way to look at it is like, how can we bridge that gap? What can we do to help each other understand one another? And it helps us grow as individuals if we look at it in that perspective. So how has um, astrology influenced you and how do you think it can help others better understand the world around them? Well, for me, it helped me to accept who I was outside of what is considered socially acceptable. Um, I think that a lot of us are trying to fit into a box that we don't fit. And because of that, we suffer unnecessarily. Like there's a reason that you were brought into this world the way that you are. It's not a curse. It's a gift. And I think a lot of my job is helping people to accept the parts of themselves that they've been told are wrong, that aren't wrong. They're just different. So I think that's a huge thing that's happened in my life. Another thing is like um, because of the type of astrology that I practice, I'm able to make pretty accurate timing predictions of different parts of life. And that's really handy. I think a lot of us suffer with trying to figure out like, what should I do this year? What should I focus on? Or like, we'll try something and it's so impossibly difficult, right? And we're like, why is it like this? And sometimes it's really just a timing issue, right? So one of the ways that I use astrology is to get a general sense of like, what is my theme for this year? What should I be focusing on? And putting all my energy into, and what are some of the challenges that I may need to face or mitigate? Um, And I find that to be extremely valuable because then it doesn't feel like life is happening to you. It feels like you're kind of co-creating with the universe. Um, You're not in as much control as I think a lot of modern people believe that they are, but at least you can kind of go, well, I can either work with this or I can fight it. And I personally don't want to fight it. I just want to figure out how to work my best with what's coming at me. Do you think that astrology can have a negative influence on one's life where it may cause one to question their decisions or affect personal relationships? Oh, I've definitely seen that. I think that it's called getting galaxy brained. Me and my fellow astrologers talk about this all the time. Like you start getting into something like say zodiacal releasing, which is this crazy, crazy timing technique. And you start to become like obsessed with it because you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get this at the exact right time. But like life doesn't always wait for us to like be at the right time. And sometimes you have to do things during retrogrades, like (laughs) Mercury retrogrades three times a year, right? Like every single year, like clockwork, you can't avoid doing things. And so I think that the better way to look at it is how do I move with this? And until you get to that place where you aren't freaked out by it, or you're not using it as a scapegoat for maybe making some poor decisions, you just go, yeah, sometimes I can't control it. And it had nothing to do with me. Like if someone's shitty to you, that's not your fault. That's Mm -hmm. up to them. You just have to learn how to respond to it. 
if you're using astrology in a healthy way, um, or I should say constructive, you learn how to work with it and kind of move with it. Um, when you're using it to try to control your life at a granular level, I think that you're becoming a bit neurotic and it's going to drive you crazy. And I almost feel like what the universe does is it tries to put things in your way so you have no choice but to learn that you do not control this. You just get to move with it. And uh, that can be maddening too because you could have felt like you had the best plan, you had the best this, the best that, and it didn't come true. And it's like, well, sometimes it's just how it goes down and you can't make it do what you want. You know, That's really powerful honestly yeah that is so true I'm I'm like yeah you know you, you might have like your life plan for the next five years for example and then you find yourself swaying off that track yeah it can feel a little unmooring but I will say that for me I'm a very control freak kind of person that's my personality I'd like to like just have like everything ducks in a row I like to plan things um when I stopped trying to do that on a granular level and just a broad level, just saying like this year, like I know that next year is going to be about creativity and writing. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to plan what that looks like. I'm just saying, okay, next year I need to make space for that to happen in my life. And that's it. And then it's kind of beautiful to watch how it can unfold in your favor rather than you fighting against it because it didn't follow your plan. Like that's kind of what magic is in my world is like something that shows up that you had no way of predicting or making happen. Uh, instead, it feels like the universe is meeting with you and going, okay, I see you made some space. Here's some opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. That's actually true. I think you miss out a lot if you have a lot of plans because then things can't happen coincidentally, you know, which is beautiful. Like if you had a plan to work today um, till 8 p.m. or you just go with the flow, maybe at 7 p.m. you might meet someone that you you know you um can connect with for work or something you know so I find myself in, in those situations a lot where I meet a lot of people where if I had planned something that day it wouldn't have happened I think that because of how society today really puts a lot of emphasis and kind of hero worship on really type a personalities who like they've specialized in one thing they've worked on it their whole lives and they've basically dedicated every single minute of their day to that thing and we want to know their schedules and what they do on a daily basis and what are their habits and it's this like weird worship of hyper productivity but there's like no balancing mechanism to say like if you don't get enough rest and play like you're probably not going to produce much anyways mm. and rest and play only comes when you make space and you don't try to make things happen um I find that it helped to go traveling for that reason, because I was very much like I, I was in Silicon Valley. I was kind of working in this really uh, pressured environment that's like to a T planned. Like you've got a project management system thing that's planned out for six months and you have to hit each of these deadlines, you know, and you'd work 15, 16 hours a day. And then you couldn't meet up with friends or have these kind of crazy experiences that you could have never planned. They just kind of unroll. Right. And when I started traveling, I couldn't plan everything. Because I found that um, compared to America, which is very type A in most places, uh, Europe moves much slower. And like people, like your taxi won't show up when it's supposed to, or the ferry is late by two hours. And at first it was really difficult to adjust to that because I was like, I'm supposed to be here by this time. I put it in my schedule. And then after a while you start to realize the schedule is really arbitrary. Why did I make this such an important thing? Um, does it make me feel safer? 
is that what's going on? Like, it doesn't make me feel more in control. And when I realize, like, there's some things I do want to control, mostly my own reactions to what's going on. I want to be better about that because my reactions will kind of determine how this feels and how I experience it. Um, but other things I absolutely cannot, I cannot control what other people do mm-hmm. and I cannot control the weather and things like that. Um, life became a lot easier and it stopped being such a struggle and a fight. And I don't want to feel like my life is a never ending battle. I want to feel like I'm in a flow state. And the only way you do that is to realize I control me. That's it. <laughs> so I'm going to do the best with what I'm given. And hopefully life will meet up with me in a way that says, Hey, Thanks for not trying to force things. Have a cookie, right? Because mm, you end up like a robot as well, right? You're just like, wake up, do this. Okay, at this time. And like, you know, you kind of lose yourself in that. Is it like um, fast-paced life, like London or like New York? You know, like you just become a, a robot. And it's, it's really unfortunate, you know, because you spend like 60 years living like that. And you miss so much beauty in existing but you know I guess everyone is different and um yeah there's definitely and a chart will tell you like are you a go-getter I have a go-getter chart but my Mars does not have the ability to keep up with a constant never-ending fast pace so I had to learn how to slow down in my pace of go-getting and redefine ambition um and it helped a lot because this is true all of us have parts of ourselves that are at odds with one another and learning how to find ways to fulfill both is, I think, a key part of not feeling like you're broken or hating yourself. It's like, okay, my Mars doesn't really function the way I want it to, um, but I need to kind of give it some help. If I don't, I'm just going to hurt myself. That's all that's happening is I'm hurting me. So instead of sitting here and thinking, like, I have to have this Silicon Valley schedule, which is crazy. There's no reason for it. Um, going, like, Well, my Mars is good with slow and steady. So I'm going to choose a goal and I'm going to move slow and steady to complete it and not feeling pressured or judged for it. I end up making much better high quality work when I do it this way. And I like that. I want that. I'd much rather have deep work than something that's quick and shallow and easy to replicate or easy to forget. Right. But that took years of looking at my chart and counseling myself through it and being like, there's nothing wrong with you. That's just how you're built. And I feel like that's a lot, like I said, a lot of my work is kind of sitting down with people and and reaffirming like, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, sometimes we have challenges in our romantic relationships. Sometimes we've chosen work that wasn't right for us, but it made sense at the time or it paid our bills. Sometimes we're going through depression because that's what Saturn can represent, right? That doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It's just an experience you're having. Now let's figure out how we can move with that experience rather than feeling frozen or trapped by it. What do you think are some common misconceptions people have about astrology and magic? Oh boy, (laughs) that's a can of worms, isn't it? Um, Well, yeah, I mean, I think that the number one thing is like, um, I think a lot of people think that astrologers are making shit up. There are definitely Mm -hmm. some people who do that, by the way. I don't want to say that that's never happening. I've definitely seen some people where I'm like, where'd you get that idea from? But (laughs) astrology actually like predates any religion we were looking to the stars and thought that they were gods in almost every part of the you know the world um and so there's a lot to study there and there's a lot of like believe it or not math and science involved with understanding how all this works and why these transits go down and so people who think that it's just easy to get on a call and tell you something about their chart um 
No, I'm not a psychic. That's another misconception. I'm not a psychic. I'm not reading your mind. I'm not cold reading you. I have spent a long time to look at a chart to tease out patterns. And some of it is like very systematic. And some of it really is kind of like um, the divine spark, as I call it. Kind of like the magician card in the tarot where you kind of have to have one finger touching God and the other one pointing back down to earth to ground you in. And the chart grounds me in, but sometimes there's a tap on my shoulder from my guides and they're like, they need to hear this. Cause there's literally thousands of ways to read a chart. Like there's electional astrology for timing. There's medical astrology for looking at your body. There's magical astrology for like understanding how to do magic to the utmost best timing and power. Um, there's decumbiture, which is a type of medical astrology. There's astro herbalism. There's vocational astrology, there's personal astrology, there's relational astrology, like there's so much there. Imagine how many different ways you can read a singular chart, right? So it's a lot of practice. Anyone who's really skilled at this and quite good and accurate, um, they've spent years figuring this out. You're paying for someone who's literally developed the skills of like 10 people in one brain. And I think it's because most of us who do it, we're just incredibly bored otherwise. (laughs) Nothing better to do with my time. Time to nerd out. Um, another misconception about magic. Oh man, this is a very this isn't even popular amongst magicians. I'll say this is my personal perspective of it because I've I've been doing magic for a long time. Um, a lot of people think about magic like it's a vending machine, right? I put my quarter in, I get my bag of chips out. It's more like, especially if you believe that these entities are real, there's forces in the world that you cannot see. It's more like getting a loan from a loan shark if you don't have a relationship with that person that you are working with and they will come back and they want you to pay them plus interest. I see this especially with uh, people who are trying to do like uh, work with demons and things like that. Um, There's a higher cost for it. Creative energy is not something that just comes out of the blue. My approach to magic is to take it very slow and to really understand who you're working with before you ever ask for anything. So I do a lot of stellar magic. In fact, I'm wearing a really nice talisman right now from a friend of mine. Wow, I like it. And I've, I had a, a relationship with this star for over a year before I ever thought about getting a piece of magic made with this star. Um, My friend who made this talisman worked with the star for six months and then let the talisman tell her how it wanted to be made. Um, Because of that, I don't have a lot of, when I was younger and I first started doing magic, I had a lot of bad outcomes because I was approaching it like, I put my quarter in, can I get my bag of chips? (laughs) And like at first you get what you want and then there's other things there. There's more than just that. There's side effects. There's strange occurrences that happen. It comes back to bite you in the butt. But now I I don't have, first of all, I don't have much of a need for magic because the relationship itself makes a magical life. Suddenly things kind of just happen. But when I do need to do magic, it tends to have a much more positive outcome and a much lower cost to me as a person um, to complete it and to do so successfully. And I think that that's a really big value in, if you take it slower, and you build relationships, do them one at a time. I know that's really tempting to want to do it all, all at once. But I'm a big proponent of like deep work. If you if you only worked with one entity for your entire magical career or whatever you want to call it, path, if you went really deep with that entity, you could do amazing things just with one, probably more than you'd ever imagine. 
but people want to do like 20 things and then they get variable outcomes and they wonder why. So what's the difference between magic and voodoo? I grew up in Africa and witch doctors are a, like a huge phenomenon over there. You know, every other person is a witch doctor. And some people actually provide results, you know, and then people use it like if they want to have a baby or a career, they go and see the, you know, the the guy. Um, they call it juju oh, in, in Africa, like the juju guy. Is there a difference between voodoo and magic? for those who don't, you know, who are not aware of this subject? So I would say, and I don't, I'm not totally entirely versed on voodoo, definitely more on hoodoo because it's American, right? But from what I understand, voodoo is also a religion, right? There's voodoo and then there's voodoo, right? Um, a witch doctor is a little bit more shamanic. So they are doing witchcraft, which is not necessarily the same as magic, but it is similar in that you are trying to produce an outcome. Um, I think that voodoo is actually a lot closer to what I practice without going into the same entities, because in order for that witch doctor to get you results, he has to have a relationship with the entities he's working with. He has to have actually made contact with them. He has to have a good ancestral practice, right? And then he is able to get good results. Also, they have a deep, deep relationship with the land which I think is like the basis of all original witchcraft was our relationship with the land and our relationship with the more than human. So like, it's not as simple as like, Oh, you know, get some roux and mix it up in some soup. It really is like, what difference does it make if you don't know how to talk to roux? Mm -hmm. What difference does it make if you don't have that relationship where it actually wants to help you? Um, when you go to someone to have witchcraft or magic done on your behalf, uh, it's because you don't know how to operate in that space. And that's what a witch doctor is good at is kind of being the intermediary there because they're utilizing their relationships to bring about outcomes. So like I have a relationship with Vega and when I need to, let's say I'm getting ready to do a bunch of creative projects. And if I didn't want to do it, um, I'm doing it as a co collaboration with the star rather than magic that I'm trying to make happen. I'm going to dedicate it to Vega. But if I didn't want to do it that way, I could actually do a petition or a working and ask Vega to make it a success and to open doors for me, right? It's not that different than voodoo in that sense. Um, it works better when I already have a relationship rather than like, oh, I've never like worked with this star, talked to this star, had any relationship with the star, but I'm going to make it happen. And some people do that and they initially get their, you know, result. And then other stuff starts to happen. They're like, what happened? I don't get it. It's like, well, you can't just like pick it up when you want and then put it back down. That's not very respectful. Why would it want to continue helping you? And why wouldn't it ask for more in return? It just literally changed your life in some way. Right. So when you go to someone who's got the relationship already, it kind of reduces that effect. You don't have to like sit there and develop the relationship uh, yourself. They've already got the relationship, but that's why you pay. There's like an energetic exchange going on. Right. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like what the difference is, some people in magic don't form relationships at all. Like I said, and they think that it's the tools or they summon a demon or something like that. I feel like voodoo is much more animistic in that way where you do have to have the relationship. You can't just like go and do whatever you want. Or you could try It'd probably be an absolutely horrific outcome. Um, <laughs> and some people will just like buy a poppet or they'll buy some herbs and they think that that's going to do the trick for them. Right. And that's why magic has variable results for most people. 
they're not spending that time in that relationship. I feel like practices like voodoo or like really indigenous shamanism has such consistent results because of that relationship, right? So how do you go about studying astrology? Okay, so first identify the first type of astrology. I will promise you, you will go through many different phases of learning astrology. That is true for everyone. But figure out which one you are most drawn to. Um, And then from there, you usually want to find a teacher. Thank God we're in an age right now where there are so many opportunities. So if you wanted a taste of something, you could go to something like Astrology University. They've got a billion different classes and often like one-off webinars. And you could actually watch one for like 25 bucks, 30 bucks and figure out like, do I like this type of astrology? If you really connect with an astrologer, if you really like their work, um, you may want to ask them if they teach or if they want to point you in the direction of who to learn from to understand their type of astrology. Um, There's a lot of books available too, a lot of cool stuff. Like I know that Chani Nicholas's book has literally changed lives. Um, I think it's born for this, if I remember right. And there's a new one out by Alice Sparkly Cat called Post-Colonial Astrology, which is blowing minds right now. These are both really approachable. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't have to have a lot of teachers. If I were to give advice, I would say start by understanding the planets deeply. The planets are the basis for everything that goes on in today's astrology. If you can understand the planets, everything is secondary because all of your aspects are based off of planetary energy and patterns. All of your houses have to do with the joys of the planets and where they fall. Um, it's It really is very planetary. So when we get into signs, those signs just describe, is this a home for this planet? Is it a place of exile? Are they wandering as a stranger through this land? Do they have their tools? It helps a lot to understand that concept of like, what does the planet do even without flavoring it with like it's Aquarius or it's Aries, right? Um, And there's free resources. The Astrology Podcast by Chris Brennan is extensive, over 300 episodes on YouTube, countless interviews, countless different types of astrology. They cover all the planets, all the aspects, all the houses, all the angles, like it's free. There's Stormy Grace's YouTube channel, which just got started this year. It's a completely free Uh, astrology university that multiple different astrologers are contributing to. You really have so many resources available now that was not available when I was starting. I just had to find books and hope that I had the thing that made sense. How do you incorporate astrology and magic in your day-to-day life? Um, When it comes to -to day-to-day stuff, well, first of all, I'm always up on the transits because I'm giving readings. If I didn't give readings, I probably wouldn't be that up on it because it gets a little neurotic after a while. I do always pay attention to the moon. The moon was considered to be the mediatrix who would make things manifest here on earth. So I look to like, what sign is the moon in? Is it making aspects to anything? Um, What is its phase? Is it full and illuminated or is it darkening and growing dim, right? That's a major one that I pay attention to. Um... When it comes to magic, a lot of what I do at this point is actually more of devotion to the different entities that I work with. So I talk about like, oh, you want to work with the land? This sounds really stupid, but start picking up trash. Humans are constantly like making a mess of things. If you want to make those spirits friendly towards you, maybe start cleaning up. And I do that like several times a week. I go out into my neighborhood and I clean up trash because people around here don't really care. And I might leave some offerings for where I know spirits reside, like honey or alcohol. Um, My star stuff, 
singing hymns, doing creative acts, actually, depending on the star, there's different creative acts I can do to honor them, like playing music or uh, painting or writing. It's kind of cool, though, because then you can incorporate it into your day-to-day -day life. It doesn't feel like this big hullabaloo. I have a third house stellium. It's literally like, okay, it's cool to do ninth house stuff, which is all about like the big moments of spirituality, like getting baptized or something, right? But like the third house is literally like the nun who, who washes the dishes and finds God in that way, right? So if it's, it's not something I can't incorporate into my day-to-day -day life, I'm probably not going to do it because I'm very practical like that. So for me, if I love to paint, then I will paint to honor someone that I'm working with, right? If I want to sing or do music, I will make it into an offering to them. I might learn a little bit about them from a different culture, especially with stars. Stars have a billion different faces around the world. What a great way to get to know. I think the metaphor I'd use is like romance, right? It's like dating someone. I want to know them to their depths. And that means every faucet, even the parts that I might know nothing about right now. So I'm constantly just seeking to understand and know. I do a lot of stargazing when I can, when it's not too rainy outside. <laughs> um, and it's really not that complicated. But because of that, I have crazy things that go down in my world that I can't explain. Because I'm not trying to make it happen. I'm just trying to be in good relationship with the various different planets and entities that I work with. For somebody who is starting out like the introduction level to astrology, what are some things that you can recommend like apps or YouTube channels, even yourself, you know? I would say um, for just starting out, probably uh, the astrology podcast is a good one. And something that someone had put up on Twitter just recently that I totally agree with is uh, even if it feels a little uncomfortable, uh, watching or listening to things that are just a little bit more complicated than what you're used to, because eventually you will start to catch it. Um, apps. The Channing Nicholas app is what I recommend. I do not recommend the other ones at this time just because they oversimplify things. You really cannot get better than the Channing Nicholas app. I know multiple people who are writing for that app. They're all practicing astrologers. You're getting the real deal. You're going to see your wheel chart. You're going to understand what's happening in the sky a lot better. And it's put into plain language. So you're not going to be like, oh, no, the moon is square Saturn. I have no idea what that means. Um, they'll say the moon is square Saturn and then explain how that may manifest in your life. And it's super, super valuable. Really well done. Um, that's what I would recommend. Channing Nicholas is kind of like the friend to all beginners. It's very, very uh, easy to understand, but also it's correct. It's not making stuff up. A lot of these apps are just being made by people in Silicon Valley with no astrologers input at all. They're like using AI and stuff and it's not well done. Some of it is actually quite uh, problematic and even dangerous if you have mental health challenges. So my recommendation, Channy Nicholas's app, it'll save you a lot of time, um, a lot of time and give you some good information. Um, if you want something that's a little bit more frou-frou, uh, I actually started off way, 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 way back in the day with like, um, the Leo King, who I think, I think he's still the Leo King on, uh, on YouTube. Um, he's actually really technically adept, but he's extremely approachable because he lives in LA and he does astrology for a lot of celebrities who don't have any technical knowledge. So, um, and on top of it, like he does know his stuff. So I would trust him to talk about that. Nightlight Astrology is a great channel on YouTube. That's a Chuda Baba. Um, he has his own school. 
and it starts from the very, very beginning all the way through, but his channel is just constantly giving great information. So a lot of stuff available. That's what I would go for, for sure. And this is just in the Western tradition, by the way, there's a whole other tradition from India called the Veda oh, tradition. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want that, that's a totally different thing, totally different resources. Have you ever been to India? I have not. You should go. I used to live there for about three years. They're really into the stars and the universe. I think you I think you would never want to leave. If you went there personally, you might never want to leave. And you like spicy food. So that would definitely incorporate to <laughs> good food as well, you know? Yeah, it's on the bucket list for whenever everything yeah. clears up. <laughs> Do you ever miss the hustle and bustle of Silicon Valley? No. Wow. It was really unhealthy. I miss some of the conveniences. Like if you're living anywhere in California, I could call like at two o'clock in the morning, I could call a restaurant up and I'd get a delivery, you know? You're not going to get that here. Um, and I mean like good food. Like I could have sushi delivered, you know? Or uh, I'd be like, oh man, I really want tacos. I could get tacos delivered. But it's really about convenience. And Again, being a very Saturnian person, a lot of those conveniences actually are, are part of the problem at this point with how we overconsume and what's happening to the earth. So it's a good check for me to be like, yeah, sometimes it's worth it to just wait because there's more at stake than what I desire, right? But that's about it. Everything else, like it's a really a polluted place. It's overpopulated. People are not the kindest or they're so focused on their goals that there's no room for relationship. And um, it wasn't a healthy place for me. Maybe for someone who's just like got a brilliant Mensa kind of mind, that would be a very conducive place for you to like really explore the depths of that. But I'm not that person. And I'm glad I'm not there anymore. It was too much. Can you tell us about some of the services you offer and how people can book an appointment with you? Yeah, so... Um, just just for your live viewers here, I opened up a few slots in the month of November because I was going to stop in October and take like a nice big break. I was like, oh man, horrible to get on an interview, get people excited and then not have anywhere to send them. Um, so you can go to my website, heartwarriorpath.com. And there's actually a link in my menu called readings. So you can book there. Um, I teach classes. We're getting ready to do some mini classes for November. Um, in particular, looking at doing some classes on astrological gardening as a magical practice, which is kind of cool. Get your soil prepared and your beds ready for spring. Um, and then with my partner, I run another school called Arkina, and we teach various different magical principles. Um, we're getting ready to do a third cohort of our very popular candle magic class that's going to open up at the end of the month. So most of that I do email about or put up on my Twitter Twitter is definitely, I try to do Instagram. I'm not good at that. So I, I kind of stick to Twitter. Um, I usually announce things on there. So Feral Venefica, which is crazy. Um, F-E-R-A-L-V-E-N-E-F-I-C-A. I'm going to put it up on the screen one second. Um, okay. Right, one sec. I'll just put that on the screen. Um... So yeah, that's uh, coming up. One second, chat. Okay. 
That's it. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you so much, Amaya. Is it Amaya or Amaya? Amaya. Amaya. That's a really nice name. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me onto your Twitch. I felt really old. You're like, oh, we're going to do the streaming thing. I'm like, oh, is it Zoom? No, it's Twitch. <laughs> Don't know anything about that. <laughs> living the pastoral life in the middle of nowhere Ireland so you could do Twitch you could do classes on Twitch maybe I'll have to consider that at some point I, I think there's definitely a market I'll have to look into it thank you so so much and um I'm really honored that you asked me there's a billion other astrologers out there so I appreciate it thank you so much for being here and I wish you a, a great weekend I mean what's left of it Thank you, you too. Have a great Sunday. Bye. So, thank you for watching. Vocal Minds of Sophia B. Make sure you follow Amaya on Twitter if you do use Twitter. And um, make sure you go and book a reading with her because she is amazing and I'm going to book a reading myself this is going to be my introduction to astrology it's not something I'm very familiar with so yeah I'm really excited to get equipped I hope you all enjoyed that thank you so much if you like what you heard then please subscribe and tell a friend